What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Come Get Your Flowers. I'm your host, Diani Genti, and I have a very special guest with me. She's a photographer and lifestyle content creator. I call her Big Money Mo. She is my dear friend. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Monique is in the building right now. What's up, Monique? Hey, y'all. It's so glad. I'm so happy to be here, and I feel grateful to be part of the podcast. So, Yeah. Of course, I have to get you on here. Like I've known you since SFA, like our SFA days. So I don't even know how long that ago was that when I first met you. But yeah, I think being friends probably like six or seven years now, which is you, insane. Yeah, something like that. So we've seen we've seen each other grow, man. Seen each other's journeys. Like the first time we met was through uh, our mutual friend Sule. Uh, shout out to Sule. Mm-hmm. And um, we had um, you had asked me if I could help you with a paper. And I said, yeah, I can help you with this paper. And tell, tell the people what happened. Uh, what was the result of that paper that I helped you with? I don't even, honestly, I don't remember. I think we failed that paper. Yeah, you definitely failed that paper. But <laughs> I think it was the fact that I was so willing to help. That's what yeah, maybe created yeah. this friendship that we have. You know what I'm saying? And I've seen you grow over the years. Uh, you know, now you're married. You know what I'm saying? I was honored <laughs> to be I know I was honored to be the shout out to Om, by the way. Shout out to Om. You know what I'm saying? We got to shout out Om over here. That's uh, my man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Your man, your mans. And I was honored to be an MC at that wedding. Even though you said I was great, I thought I was terrible. But who knows? Maybe, I don't know. Maybe that's kind of what led me to start talking here. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. Who knows? Who knows, man? But I'm glad you're here. Uh, I'm glad. I'm proud of you. So, you know, I just want to. Talk about you and your journey. And before we go into that, I want to ask you a question. Um, mm-hmm. What is something you've been feeling as of lately? It could be a new song, artist, book, show, movie, activity, hobby, anything. What is something that you've been feeling as of lately? To be quite honest, I have been listening more to like old school, uh, like Nigerian music as well mm. as, you know me, I'm a huge High Life fan. So oh, and listen, High always- Life. Is amazing. <laughs> I always stick to high life music and literally go on drives, especially since I've been traveling a lot. So whenever we come home, we'll do a little drives and I'll just play some music. It really just kind of gets me back in the zone. And evil music will always, always get me motivated. So that's what I always listen to. It's high life. Okay, so what are some of the uh, old school Nigerian artists that you listen to, or some of the artists in the high life genre that you're listening to that people that you should think people should check out? Um, I mean, I think everybody knows this person. I think, like, so I used to listen to, growing up, I used to, like, in primary school, I used to do, like, dance competitions with my friends. Um, yeah. So we would always listen to, you know, Busy Buddy. Busy Buddy? Buddy? I would also listen to, you know, Do Me, I Do You. Man, no, that's fun. Like, our age OGs, of course. Mm-hmm. And then in terms of high life, you know, like modern high life. So Zoro, love his songs. Um, so I've just been listening to them and just been jamming this past month. Really, honestly, I don't know. Just something about high life makes me happy and just makes me remember like when I used to be a traditional dancer back home. 
So that's why there's always going to be a soft spot for it. Man, that, you know, I, I feel like since I've done this podcast, it's been a consistent thing with my, obviously because a good amount of my friends are Nigerian, you know, me being Nigerian myself, <laughs> like we've all seen like the rise of Nigerian music, whether, you know, it's high life, Afro yes. beats, you know what I'm saying? Like it's been such a rise of the genre to the point where it's, it's mainstream in the U.S. It's mainstream everywhere. Like you can go to a club, you can go listen to the radio, you can turn on the TV, everything. And it's always going to be a song from a Nigerian artist. And it's so common now. Like, what do you think of that? Like coming from where I it think, was then oh. to now? I think it's such a beautiful thing. Um, listen to music being played, like art music specifically, being played everywhere. Even like, for example, I went over to uh, my grad, like not my grad party, but my in-laws um, grad party for one of our family members' kids. And um, there was, you know, Nigerian music playing in the background, right? Mm-hmm. Rema's song, Calm Down, was playing. And this is at an Indian grad party. And it just yeah. made me feel really happy. And it made me feel blessed that... Although it's taken so long for Nigerian music to gain that American audience, because let's be real, Nigerian music has always had an international audience in the Europe. Absolutely. Like, you know, with European countries and stuff like that. But having that American mainstream, like, um, explosion has been wonderful. Now, I will say I am a little bit biased in the sense where when I do hear American artists co-star or I hear Americans talk about, you know, Nigerian music and they only refer to like the reset music, which is no fault to them. I do get a little bit annoyed because there's so many other artists, there's so many other genres in Nigerian music that, you know, you need to open yourself to. Um, But it's no fault to anyone. Of course, whatever's trending and following, everyone follows that. So it's nobody's, you know, qualms to that Mm -hmm. but as just someone who grew up with nigerian music i think i've gone to the point where even though i love the new songs coming out i miss the old songs as well like you know the old vibe everything i'm like let's like it's enough with the chill music let's get back to like some heavy dancing music because Mm. i cannot be you know what i mean yeah no (laughs) no i agree i just need more energy yeah i think i think that's true like you know like and you know with high life you know, you know, being one of the genres, you know, even like Afrobeat. And, and here's the thing, people don't know this. The, I was reading an article um, by this uh, writer. Her name is Eviani, uh, if I'm saying her name right. She was talking about even the distinct difference between Afrobeat and Afrobeats, which are yep. literally two different things. You know, some people don't realize, you know, like Fela Kuti, you know, he was like the pioneer yeah. of <laughs> Afrobeats, which, you know, was yes. a mixture of jazz and you know, all that other stuff, you know, then you have high life, you have so many other uh, distinct genres in in Nigeria, even just Africa in general, that uh, people should definitely pay attention to. So yeah, I, I mean, I, you have like, so many music from across the entire continent, right? You have Moroccan music, you have um, piano South African music, you have, Fuji. Um, if, yeah, and you have even Ethiopian music and all of those stuff. Like, there's so many beautiful, like, music around the continent and they're just gore like just amazing even Hausa songs like which is you know if no one knows this Hausa is a, a major ethnic region in Nigerian tribe mm-hmm. and from the north and their songs are also very beautiful and their language is gorgeous as well so it's amazing like you know as a Nigerian like I will always play music from different parts of our country and stuff and it just you know it's how I grew up so that's what I do yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so speaking of Nigeria, for those that don't know, you were born in Nigeria. 
Correct. Yes, were... I was born and raised. Um, my dad is American. My mom is Nigerian. Um, and my dad has lived in Nigeria for 30 plus years. So I was born and raised there. Really grateful for that. I think that helped me um, shape me into the person I am with such a great high self-esteem, um, as well as molding me as a Nigerian-American um, and also kind of protect me for certain things that my friends who are Nigerian-Americans grew up in America and faced. So I feel like I got to have that experience as an African woman. Um, and it's a very beautiful experience that I, I really do appreciate. No, absolutely. Can you like tell me what was it like growing up uh, in Nigeria? I think, you know, <laughs> it was a beautiful thing. I will say it did have its own problems as well. Um, you know, with the rise of, you know, mixed kids being a thing now, which is cool. I would say it's a little bit problematic because specialization comes into that. But mm, wait, 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 stop right there. Why do you why do you believe it's problematic? I actually want to know that. I would say it's problematic because it, it comes into colorism as well. Some people want their children to look a certain type of way, so they marry people of different ethnic regions, or they and then they get upset if their child comes out looking more brown or more, you know, darker skin than anything else. And it it really just shows the internalized racism and colorism that affects not only our communities, of course, and other communities as well um so that's why i say it is problematic so we should highlight that issue but also as you know a nigerian american who was mixed growing up in my time it was not a popular thing and my parents are divorced although great co-parenters so i face that issue of you know my mom is divorced um you know i'm growing up in nigeria where divorce is still even though some people are getting divorces now. It's not a normalized thing. And at my yeah. time, it was a very, like... It was forbidden. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, imagine, like, going through that struggle with your parents and your mom and watching her kind of have to remold her identity as well as you have to fight for the fact that, you know, in my time, um, a lot of mixed kids, like, fathers would sort of go away go back to their country and stuff after their work or whatever was done and just never come back so they're abandoned and so i kind of put this stereotype that all mixed kids were you know fatherless and that wasn't the case so you would get snide remarks like oh this girl is a bastard child and you know you would get all these things and you would get some families that you know didn't necessarily want their like their kids to marry or date mixed kids because of that stigma um, as well as you know being an evil woman and being your mother's only child um, even though I had younger cousins you kind of have to deal with the whole like being the perfect child syndrome um, where you know you have to make sure you you know like I know how to cook <laughs> a lot of traditional dishes um, so you have to learn how to make all of the dishes you know you have to know how to keep the house you know you grew up being taught how to be a wife quote unquote because yeah. everything was related to like i want you to be the most perfect nigerian daughter so you don't have to be questioned by your in-laws which ironically i didn't marry a nigerian but beside the point hey <laughs> still, the point, shout out to him he's amazing he is amazing but beside the point you know what i'm trying to say is that you do get this a lot of pressure right you have to be successful um because you know your mom is a single mom and your success your failure is her failure and her success in her society oh, man, that is... and so you have that like double like you know what i mean Wami, of you have no choice to continuously be this perfect daughter you don't have the privilege to make mistakes or act anyway like in front of elders you have to be specifically very respectful because any slip up it was kind of relate to oh it's because she's half white you know so 
and those are things I would get sometimes. So when I quickly realized at such a young age, like I can't make the same mistakes, so I can't say the same things as like some of my friends or some of my cousins that are fully Nigerian, it kind of molds you and shapes you, and you can never really be your true self, right? Around like family members and stuff, you always have to put yourself in this very like I have to be perfect at all times. So it's a little bit challenging in that sense um but you kind of got used to it and you just have to keep persevering right because nigeria there is no like oh you're feeling sad let's sit down yeah, and talk no about, like no like depression or sadness exactly. therapy nothing like no that no conversations about that and so you have to like literally wear your big girl pants so i will feel like i grew up quicker than i should growing up because you do face those pressures early on and I will say that the things that my mom taught me are have been amazing and useful for my entire life. So learn how to cook, keeping a house clean, all of those things are amazing and those should be life skills everyone should learn. But also I feel like learning how to cook the traditional foods growing up keeps me closely tied to my culture and it always like brings me back to like my roots and the memories I have of my mom growing up. So yeah. Man, there, there's just so much. There is so no, there is so much to unpack there. I can't even begin. Like, you know, like you say, for example, you saying that you had to be perfect um, compared to like, you know, the kids that you know, obviously fully Nigerian kids. Like, you go into detail more about why you felt, uh, why you felt like you had no room for error compared to like your peers in Nigeria. Yeah, like I said, so like when I was younger, I think I forgot to greet somebody's mom something i honestly didn't know what this woman looked like so if you know me you know i wear glasses yeah so most of the time i will pass before i not even realize and she made this night remark like you have no home training you're asking this way because you know you're half white da, 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 da. and that's oh. when i realized hey, like you know what i mean like this is another level now don't get me wrong like she will also did the same in school with another Nigerian girl, like fully Nigerian girl, and say so you have no home training, but it would never be added to you being half of something else is the reason you're acting that way, right? So you always have to be perfect. You always have to be, you know, 100%. There are no errors. Um, you know, even when it came down to like dating and stuff, right? Like you would date people in your culture and it would be like, you have to always prove that you're fully Nigerian, not necessarily fully Nigerian in full blood, but just Nigerian to the core, right? Like you date someone and they'd be like, oh, can you speak your language? And if you can, um, they'll be like, oh, you're not saying the word right. Meanwhile, this person, like these people don't know how to speak their own language. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? You should tea, but not tea. But it's just that those added pressures where you're just like, um okay I get it and so I always had to be this perfect person or I always had to you know kind of and I would say that kind of caused me to having like anxiety but I didn't realize I had anxiety mm. I, and even to today I'm a perfectionist and yeah, I didn't even realize that till I think I had um when I got had gotten laid off and stuff and I was having a lot of like anxiousness I didn't still didn't recognize it as anxiety because like I said in Nigeria you don't grow up being told oh you have anxiety or you have HDHD you have this you know if you are a child and you're just acting up and down you're gonna get whooped right so stuff like that you act, act accordingly you tend to start masking who you are 
And so I decided to go for psychotherapy and that's when I was diagnosed with anxiety, you know? So she was like, you strive for perfectionism, like a little too much. And so it has played a lot of factors in my life. Um, But at the same time, I am grateful for the experience growing up in Nigeria because I felt like I was able to celebrate who I am as an African woman, right? I could wear different braiding styles. Like I could do certain things, right? And I could had the privilege to kind of learn my language and stuff. So I would say it's it's a beautiful thing. Some challenges, but of course not everybody faces this. Now I will say like, with how colorism plays, like you, yes, you had people come up to you and, oh, you know, I love your skin or whatever like that. And that why I say that plays into fetish and it is very damaging Yeah. because even though you got that attention, you didn't get it for the right reasons, right? You got it mm-hmm. because of your skin tone or you got it because some guy saw you on the road and the only reason why they were talking to you is because, you know, you're half cast or whatever. So there was always that fetishization about being mixed um so that was harmful in a way you know so that's why i said that's a problem that can be unpacked another time (laughs) yeah no well actually it's true i don't mind unpacking it right now just talking about the effects of color colorism and just how it affected you you know obviously you being lighter skin and also being a mixed kid like how did that affect you personally and what do you think uh when did you realize that this is what this means this is colorism at its finest like what did when did you realize that I guess I would realize it when I was younger and the reason why is because you know family being family and friends being friends growing up like right they would sing that Oibo song to you and you would just oh, like no. <laughs> you know you would know that you are the 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 lighter skinned person in the group and don't get me wrong I like my family y'all know that Igbo families are very diverse so I have beautiful darker skinned cousins I have beautiful brown skinned cousins I have beautiful light skinned cousins as well um but like when it came to like being in classrooms and stuff like that even with my other mixed friends who were more like brown skinned than I was I noticed that it had a slightly different experience than I did so I felt like I need to belong right I want to be you know, I don't want anybody to look at my skin tone. So I would lay out in the sun and try to tan, like get darker. Wow. And don't get me wrong. Like when I look at pictures when I first moved to US, I was very much brown skinned, right? I was darker than how I am now. Mm-hmm. But when I was a child, I had that identity crisis where it was like I wanted to fit in and I wanted to look, you know, like a brown skinned Nigerian person because I was like, okay, that's the closest you know skin tone I can get to right and for me dark is beautiful because my mom was a dark skinned woman and just in general um so for me I wanted to kind of fit that standard now yes you can make that argument that you know colorism is a really huge issue in Nigeria especially bleaching creams and all of that right um but two truths can be in the same line where my experience Mm -hmm. is different from someone else um and so in that situation my mom started recognizing that and so my mom had this conversation with me where she was like look you know god bless you the way that you are there are people who want to look like you you know you don't need to lay in the sun and try to darken your skin tone people are going to accept you for who you are you are beautiful regardless and she was like at the end of the day you're not going to be fully nigerian and you're not going to be fully white you're just going to be mixed and you're going to be who you are you need to learn how to embrace both of your identities and find love in the duality of who you are because now you can see two different cultures you can learn about two different cultures um and most people don't get to have that experience and that's when i started realizing and seeing 
me being mixed as sort of a privilege rather than seeing it as a setback in life, right? So I was like, I get to see two different cultures and see the way two things are and like how things coexist and my mind can expand. So once I started thinking in that thought process, that kind of helped me. And even till now, I still in that same mindset. So I have to see both sides. I have to, you know what I mean? Like look at things in different aspects or talk about things from different angles because I get to be in those spaces where I can experience those different things. Yeah. So was that was that conversation with your mom, was that the moment when you realized like, oh, I don't feel like I have to choose a side you know, I'm, yeah. I'm mixed and that's what it is at the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Sorry, one second. No, it's um, okay. I definitely will say that um, it did help me, like, love who I am as a mixed girl and really embrace who I am. So that's why, like, I will always say, oh, I'm Nigerian-American. I will never just say one or the other because I truly embrace that and I love being a mixed woman. And I know, like, you know, growing up in Nigeria, like, because you were always told, like, you're mixed, you never felt like you were 100% Black, right, or 100% something else. It was rather you were mixing and put in that category. And then when I came to the United States um, permanently, that's when I realized, oh, here, like, you're Black, and that was it. And yeah. so it kind of way helped me kind of step into that space a little bit more of, yes, the things I've experienced are of a Black woman, but in the same way, there are different because the way a darker skinned black woman would be treated is different than the way that I'm treated. So you then you understand and you kind of get even more enlightened in the idea of light skin privilege and all of that thing. Pretty privilege as well. Yeah. All that. Yeah. And so. so no, and, go ahead. Go ahead. My bad. Go ahead. Go ahead, Monique. <laughs> no, no, you're good. I was just saying. So, you know, I got to kind of be able to embrace 100% of my blackness even though I embraced it growing up but it was never seen as blackness it was more of being an African woman right mm-hmm. um whereas here it's more of your race kind of your identity so I was like okay when I came here it was like I learned a little bit more about culture in the United States and stuff like that and I embraced myself as an African woman but I do recognize my experiences are also of being a black woman in America um, so I do identify when I say I'm mixed. Um, usually, I usually say I'm black, and then when people ask me like, "Oh, like, are you mixed with anything?" Then yeah. I say yes, I'm mixed, um, because my, you know, what I've experienced in life and everything and how I've grown is of a black experience, of my version of a black experience. Yeah, absolutely, and, and that's I guess that's where it kind of boils down to because when people would be like, "Oh." I remember, like, back then, like, some, like, you would hear this in Nigerian period, be like, oh, I'm not black and stuff like that. But it's like, well, yeah. shoot, when the police stop you, they're not going to ask you, oh, are you Ghanaian or are you Nigerian? Exactly. Like, they could look at you like, motherfucker, you're black. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But I Hands think, up. like, because you grew up in Nigeria, you are not, like, growing up around that time, at least, because now a lot of people are more, like, well, you know, read and well-educated in this topic. But I feel like growing up back in my time, it wasn't saying that it's being black. It was like, you're African, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're a mix, you're mixed or half cast, right? So it was never, I'm black, except if you were saying, oh, like if someone said, oh, don't do this, you'll get sick. And you're like, oh, there's no sickness in black man's blood, stuff like that. It would make those yeah. jokes, but it was never like, you were identifying your race. Because in Nigeria, you don't identify necessarily your race. You identify with your ethnic regions, right? So you're proud to be an evil person. You're proud to be an ethnic person. You're proud to be an horrible person. You're proud to be all these different 
beautiful tribes and ethnic regions. Um, so it, it's slightly different and the experiences are different. Yeah. So that's why when Nigerians or even Africans in general come to the United States and have to are forced to kind of, I guess, like identify them themselves as their race, it's hard to like explain that or for them to slowly takes time for them to, I guess, make that a reality because that's not how you're raised. Exactly. Um, and you have brought up earlier about how when you came to the States, you you realized how, you know, um, brown skilled women, even dark skilled women were treated differently than you were. What, what was the moment that you realized that, oh, like, you know, I'm getting treated way differently than some of my friends who are of brown, you know, obviously who are brown skin or dark skin? I would definitely say it's not necessarily my friends. But when I was working and had started working when I was around 17 was when I started seeing it, right? The way people would address me versus my coworkers who were darker skinned. There was a there was a difference in tone. And so that's what made me realize, oh, for people who look a certain way, I'm more palatable and that's not okay. So in that situation, I feel like anyone who's a lighter skinned or racially ambiguous, I think that that is where you need to stand up and be like, that's not okay and speak mm -hmm. up and educate people. It can be exhausting to educate people consistently, but I think when you're put and you have that privilege to do so, you should use it and you should educate because at that moment, they're able to digest what you're saying rather than someone who's darker than you because whatever a darker skinned woman would do, say to them, it would be perceived as aggressive, which is very dangerous. Mm -hmm. exactly. um, so that's how they like, you should speak up and you should say something for sure. No, absolutely. I, I agree 100 percent. Now, when you moved to the U.S. Uh, permanently, did you uh, face any like barriers, like maybe cultural barriers or just like uh, anything in general? Like what were some of the barriers that you faced growing up in the United States? I will definitely say there were a lot of barriers and there were a lot of like huge cultural differences. Um, one was the flakiness. <laughs> Oh, um wow. you meet know, up with like like you know Americans in general like oh my god we should totally hang out and you're like oh you're, you're taking it so seriously right and then on the day of the like no calls no plan like you're texted and like there's no response so I would say that flakiness did make me caught up people because for me growing up in Nigeria like a there's traffic because mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a boarding school so if I'm making plans with you I'm showing up because I yeah. have to tell my parents because my dad is ex-military so he was very strict i had to convince my parents two weeks a month before my mom is a prayer warrior woman okay do you know how many <laughs> I have to do? do you know how many church services i have to go just to show up for what uh -huh. like so to me i was like okay if you're not gonna flake and you don't actually want to do something don't say it because to me i saw that as being fake and not genuine because i'm kind of person if i'm not gonna hang out i'm gonna be honest like come on I'm not able to do this or whatever. Like, let's keep it a buck. But if you're gonna be like, let's hang out. Now I'm like, when people are like, let's hang out. I'm like, okay. But I know like they're just being nice and they're mm -hmm. not really like saying it to hang out. Um, and so that was one thing I struggled with a lot and I used to get really, really offended because mm -hmm. I felt it was very disrespectful. I was like, I just got dressed up and like nobody's, you know what I mean? Nobody's here. Like what's yeah. going on? So, it was definitely a cultural shift in that sense, or like seeing PDA a lot. Growing up, there wasn't PDA. Oh, yeah, right? Nigeria, no <laughs> PDA. You don't even have a girlfriend. 
that's your friend. What do you mean? That's your friend until until you like, until you show up as a wife. Yeah, you don't show them exactly. until you're about to get married. Yeah. So like you know that whole like you no know, like seeing PD in school was a huge culture shock for me because I was like, and also the codependence in like people's relationships was a huge like culture shock to me to see people like you have to hold hands, you're waiting by the door. That's a lot for somebody coming from Nigeria because yeah. like we didn't do that, you know. And so it was very interesting seeing that. I was just like, okay. And like the whole 50-50 culture, you know, oh, hot topic. I don't want to get into <laughs> you that. You know, I've been an evil woman from a spring sprinkle culture, right? <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, we don't know to talk about that. But it was just a huge culture shock to see that. Cause I was like, if my father cannot even go Dutch, why should I? Dutch with you hello yeah. so it was definitely interesting to see all those like little things or you know certain conversations that Americans can have with their parents I can't have those conversations with you know my mom yeah no <laughs> um, that's a no-go um or just in terms of you know the insane pressures we put on ourselves as Nigerians to be successful and all those things that's not the same pressures being put on our like American co- counterparts. Mm-hmm. So it's very interesting to like see those different, you know, aspects and stuff. And it was a huge culture shock for me. Um, like just coming here and seeing just how things are just done differently. Um, I will say that I, I have made it eventually into a second home for myself because I will say any country you move to or any experiences you have is how you shape it. Right. So I went to a PWI and I know a lot of people I'm very anti-PWI. I loved going to PWI because I got to, you know, join African Student Association. I got to be in different things. And who you surround yourself with is how your experiences will be. Um, I also had friends from Panahelic um, organizations as well. So I was able to, like, see that part as well, but not too much because it wasn't my vibe. Um, but I was able to, you know, see different things. And it was, it kind of broadens your mind and it makes you, I really do feel like, when you and my parents always preached this was to have diverse diverse friends my dad and my mom were like don't only have nigerian friends have friends from different cultures because you mm. get to experience new things and you get to try new foods for free so <laughs> you, know, you, go, you, go you heard it here first y'all try new foods literally because it's like you know i feel like food is a way and an open path into someone else's culture because com- food is a conversational starter i feel like when you ask oh like how is this made or whatever it kind of leads into a deeper conversation um so i would definitely say you know if your friends are just looking one way you need to diversify your friendships um for sure interesting you know i'm 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 guilty of this i'm guilty of uh because i you're not the first person to say this or i would say this that i have i've had you know a friend or two tell me that me myself i i i've I don't have, I don't diversify my friends. I used to probably when I was young uh, because yeah. A-Leaf, because I grew up in A-Leaf. So A-Leaf, you know, you're friends with like, you know, everybody because uh, A-Leaf is basically a lot of minorities. You're going to see black people, Hispanic people, Asians and all this other stuff, right? So like for me, like I had, you know, friends from all different kinds of groups. I think, but when I got to college, to Nacogdoches, and I saw it was mostly white people, it was a culture shock for me. So it was yeah. like, okay, like, where the fuck do I fit in? Because I'm seeing white people everywhere. I've never seen this many white people in my life. So, you know, yes. obviously, it's, I mean, that's just how it is. So when I get into SFA, you know, and, you know, I had to find, I, I try to find my people, you know, people that look like me. So, you know, that's no, how I, totally I, 
So, you know, I got to, you know, become friends, you know, with obviously, you know, the, the black people that were there at SFA. And You know, I guess, that's the same for me too. Like, yeah. that's because I feel like you're in a space that people don't look like you. And also, I feel like, you know, the reason why, and I don't disregard people having friends that only look like them, because at times, it, the reason why we do have friends that only look like us is because we feel safe in that group and we can truly be ourselves, whether it's loud, where it is, you know, you can kind of unmask the American accent and only speaking your Nigerian accent. Because you know how I am, like, when I'm with only my Nigerian friends and with my husband as well, I only speak the Nigerian accent, whereas yep. when I'm with friends, of different cultures I will only speak with an American accent and it's not because like I can't be my friends with my friends that are from other cultures as well it's because it's become a thing where I've had to like put on an American accent because I don't like the oh my god well, basically 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 code switching in the sense yeah exactly you're code switching all the time and so I, I would definitely say there's nothing wrong with having friends that look like you. I think it's a beautiful thing. I love having a sisterhood, but I also think there's also beauty in diversifying your friends because you learn about a lot of things that you don't even know and your circle doesn't know. So you're able to kind of impact more knowledge because when you have friends of other races that don't look like you, they have more privilege into benefit other information that you may have not gotten. So you get that information, you're able to like, disperse it with your friends right so it's that's why i'm like you kind of treat it like a networking in a way mm. where you're you're you know you're using this to kind of put yourself and my, my grandfather used to say make friends before you meet them so you know always make friends with different people whether you're like okay i want to be in this position okay how do i get there right you need to network you want to make friends and you want to know who is who mm. and i've seen people get jobs just because of who they know um and that's you know a different conversation in itself yeah no man like, you're absolutely right uh that i mean i get you can say like diversifying your friends like opens up like many opportunities not just even in a net in a business standpoint or a networking standpoint but just in the friendship you know a romantic level you know what i mean just yeah. like or even getting to be able to like see different um cultures and see different parts of the world that you probably never thought you would ever see if you didn't exactly. diversify your friends diversify you know your relationships with your friends so like you know you're absolutely right with that so you know, moving forward, I want to talk about one of your few, one of the many talents that you have. I want to talk about your journey as a photographer. What made you want to get into photography? Oh, that's such a beautiful question. So what made me get into photography was one, um, watching America's Next Top Model. Oh, okay. <laughs> hey, that <laughs> is, that is like my, peak I reality TV. Even yeah, though it's it very crazy. problematic now, but that was peak very. TV. That was peak TV. Because I used to come in the summers to visit my grandparents. And, you know, although I loved spending time with my grandparents, I was very bored because I didn't know anyone. So I'd be in this small town, Montgomery County, just chilling, you know, in the house. There's nothing to do. And then that's how I discovered America's Next Top Model. And I would watch it. And, you know, I was watching like, oh, my God, these models are so pretty. All of this stuff. But then I started watching how the photographer will talk about the pictures or how you should have done this differently, what emotions could have exuded. Although I also didn't like the way that he would talk to certain of the, the models as well. But at the same time, it kind of made me love like photography in general um, and, and really like enjoy it as a hobby. And then, you know, when I went off to college, um, you know, I would travel actually with my parents and stuff and I would take pictures 
um, those little flash cameras and the stuff Codex. of like, different things. And so my dream growing up was like, I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to be an actress. And I also wanted to be like a National Geographic photographer documenting like just daily mundane life. And I was like, when I retire, I want to travel around the world. And I want to take pictures of different cultures. Like I've always loved like you know diversity and just enjoying and being a part and appreciating other people's cultures and just taking the pictures that is very raw um and then when I kind of got into college I got into um photography because I realized in our college there weren't a lot of like women photographers so I wanted to be a part of like you know the small demographic that we had as women photographers and female photographers um and so I started taking pictures um and that's how I got into photography and kind of growing my love photography for photography in general and as someone who's camera shy as well um which is ironic that's, that's very ironic very ironic. i know i'm very camera shy especially <laughs> when it comes to like taking professional pictures and all that stuff and i recognize how like you know everyone can be very different right and you know when you're in front of a camera you're not able to control how you look right you're not right. sure okay is this really my right angle is this really my bad angle and that's why i always will tell photographers like direct your clients show them poses show them examples because it helps them feel more confident you can see it from the pictures and you can also see when your client is not being confident you can feel the difference when you look at the pictures and so as someone who loves other people to direct me, I started directing other people as well um, in taking pictures. And in between, you know, photographing them and staging them, how they, you know, they look their best, I would also take candid shots. So you get both of like the emotions as well as, you know, you being posed in your best self. No, absolutely. I remember, uh, I remember when the, I don't know when I, I don't know when I said this to you, but I just knew I was like, Monique, I said, when I graduate, you're going to be the one to take my pictures. I never telling you that. Yeah. And, uh, you ended up taking my graduation pictures and you know, it's funny cause I, me, I, when it comes to photography, I'm not the biggest photography guy. I don't, I'm not really the guy that takes a, pictures. I'm not like, Oh, let's go take a selfie or anything like that. So I don't know <laughs> anything. I don't know no direction. So it was like, yeah, you give me that direction to do this and do that like maybe made my graduation pictures turn out really amazing and like even to the point where like it was i think it was raining a bit that day too and i was like yeah. oh man this is gonna ruin the pictures and you was like don't worry i got it and you made the pictures look like it was 99 degrees outside i was like <laughs> how the fuck did you do this but that just goes to show how great of a photographer you are and um speaking of you being a photographer do you remember the first photo shoot that you ever did I would say the first photo shoot I ever did was for high school. There was a girl that sat next to me in anatomy class and she saw my picture of a kid I had taken in Ghana uh, when I was visiting my uncle's new house construction. I didn't know uncle's in Ghana. Hold up. Yes, I have an uncle that lives in Ghana um, and he had moved there for job opportunities. Uh, but it was, I just, it was just cool. Like just watching it run and he took the picture. In my mind, I was like taking it like, how National Geographic people would take it, you know, and documentary photographers will take it. And then she was like, you should think about, you know, starting a photography business. And I was like, I know no one here. And <laughs> photography comes, you know, the connections and everything. So I took her pictures. I didn't know how to edit. I would just take them. And so I sent it to her. You know, she sent someone else to edit for her, all of that good stuff. But that was when I realized, okay, although I love taking that picture, and if you see it, it's badly edited, like yeah. whatever. But at the same time, I realized 
how much like it's important to own a hundred percent of your work as a photographer because even if you say I took that picture right but you didn't edit that so now it's on somebody else's page and you're this 17 18 year old high school kid who's yeah. gonna argue with you um so when I got into college you know I started you know I was watching a lot of YouTube videos like the channel fresh P-H-R-E-S-H, I believe. And I would learn how to like edit watching their videos and all of that stuff. And I was like, every night I would watch their videos. And oh, wow. I tend to hyper fixate on things. Like if I want to learn something, I'm going to learn it. Yeah, no. So I really took the time and I would watch all these different videos, how to edit, how to do this, how to post people, what's the best lighting, how to use your camera. And that's what really like pushed me to still continue using the camera my dad had gotten me since like 2011. And I mean, now I have an, another camera that I've bought for myself, but at the same time, like just having that camera and feeling that love was what really pushed me. You look at my pictures from college days, freshman year in college versus now, you can see the difference in my work and how it's grown and improved. Yes, so I'll absolutely. definitely say like, you know, like it definitely, and it matters to see things from an, a detailed eye, right? Like how I always say, how would you, feel if you looked at your pictures you know what I mean and if you will feel good then that's the kind of feeling you need to give to your clients right I always want to make sure I'm looking at it from their eye what do they want I always ask them like what's your vision what is your idea because I want to make sure like I'm delivering this on a hundred million times level and giving them what exactly they want and even better no absolutely yeah. and I mean, listen, at the end, she's definitely going to give out that Instagram photography page because her photos are top notch. I'm not lying. No bullshit. No, I have no bias. OK, it's, it's, it's that it's that damn good. Um, But with also being a photographer, you're also a lifestyle content creator and you consistently posting on Instagram and TikTok, you know, whether it's the outfit of the day or some place that you just visited, traveled or just anything that you're doing in your life, you're always uh, consistently posting it. How do you go about creating that kind of content? Do you plan it out or do you just wing it? So to be quite honest, I used to plan it out and I still sort of do in between, but sometimes I just go with the feel, right? For example, I have a video that is viral right now. It's like 25K with like um, views on it. Yes. Okay. And it's actually on my hair, my braids. I got French call braids. Um, and it's been a long time since I got my hair braided by someone, I think about a year or so, but I was just feeling very emotional because I felt like I really, like I found the person, her name is Hair by Jenny. You can find her on Instagram and TikTok, Hair by Jenny Salvage, I think on Instagram. Oh, she's Hair by Jenny. Yes. And she is amazing. And she was very professional. You know, I showed up on time. I felt very safe. Um, because you know, when you grow up in Nigeria and you get your braids done all the time, you don't necessarily understand the importance of those moments till you move to the U.S. and braids are ridiculously expensive. Listen, can, can, we, can, can we stop there and talk about, just talk about, just let me explain to the people how much braids cost in Nigeria. Like, just please. I, okay, just so please. I would say, like, for very expensive braids, maybe 20, 40K if you're trying to go, like, 40 dollars or 60 dollars if you're going to like a very bougie place right but for someone like me who likes to use home services and the regular people okay yeah. 
Because when you go to Nigeria, I feel like you should think like a Nigerian as well. And my family is middle class. So we don't go to all those bougie places. I got my auntie that's been braiding my hair since I was a kid. Yep. And that's who does my braids till now when I go to Potakos. That's usually who I go to. Yep. Uh, but when I'm in, I just go to like one of the small shops in the market and literally I'll get my braids done for, mm -hmm. let me just, last time I did, let me just calculate it real quick. Now keep in mind, since the rise of people going to Nigeria for vacations and stuff, I'm pretty sure the prices kind of went up at this point. I mean, probably back, probably. Cause probably back like, then so it was really affordable. Exactly. So my braids, the place I had gotten done and I don't remember, but it was in the markets and they washed my hair, by the way. I didn't want my hair blow dry, so they didn't blow dry my hair. All they did was just dry it with the blow dryer without brushing it out. Um, so that was 4,000 naira, even with the, they went and bought the hair from the 4, market. 4,000 exactly. naira? 4,000 naira for the whole process. And that is $5.94. Did you guys hear that? that? You see what I'm saying? And, you know, my mom being at Ibuma, she's going to haggle down the prices as well, okay? Mm -hmm. So home service, I got, like, shuku, which is, you know, Ghana braiding, high ponytail. I got that done, I think, 2-5 when I was in Potakos. Um, and that's, you know, for me, a normal rating. I'm not going to go into the salon, although it's beautiful, it's nice. Just feel like it's more geared towards a different demographic and different people who are coming for a different experience um i like to be at home and i like to be comfortable so um that's how, that's the difference right i love i used to wear braids like nothing growing up so moving to the u.s not really getting your braids done and kind of doing your own hair yourself and when i would go to salons and they're like oh we can do natural hair and they would just give me like the worst hair treatments and oh, you know they'll straighten it it'll be flat okay flat and then the last the, i remember when i went after being natural for i want to say six or eight months because i had cut my hair i think the semester before the last semester not last semester but the last two semesters before i came to the u.s because mm -hmm. in nigeria i believe in my school specifically we had like three or four semesters um and so because of that, I just kind of, when I came to the U.S., I went and got my hair like, what? I was like, okay, she's a black woman. She'll probably know how to do my hair. She washed it and straightened it. And my hair was like, you know, nice little bub. She then went and cut my hair up to here. I was looking like somebody's grandma. I was so angry. <laughs> I just packed, I packed the tiniest ponytail and I went home and I was just traumatized with that. So I was like, never again. And like, when you go and get braids done, it's like, I mean, now it's going for like, Five hundred dollars, six hundred, eight hundred, four hundred, three hundred. You know, it's really expensive to get your braids done in the U.S. And I know some people are blessed to braid their own hair themselves. I have a lot of hair. I don't have a lot of patience, and mm. my hands get painful. So I don't want to do my hair myself. I can do other people's hair, but I can't do my own hair. Um, and so finally finding someone who can do exactly the style I wanted and for a great price. Um, and it was just nice to like be in her house and chat with her and just. You know, she's also a Nigerian person as well. It was just like really nice to kind of be in a safe space, I feel like. So I made that video with Jackie Ina's voice note, um, a voiceover where she talks about as a black woman getting your braid, that experience. It really resonated with me because I really felt emotional. I felt so beautiful leaving because I was like, it's been so long since I got my braids done. It's, you know, getting your hair done, like, you know, growing up in Nigeria, you don't just wear natural hair out, yeah. right? Like, you always have a certain type of braid on. You get the most compliments when you have braids. Now, you can say that's a little bit problematic, but culturally, we've always 
from BC, you've always got different kinds of braiding styles done, right? It's always been a tell of wealth, socioeconomic status, and all of that stuff back in the day. And, you know, now it's just part of who we are as women, right? We get braids, we get wigs and stuff. And when I came to the U.S., not being able to find places where I could get my hair braided, sometimes I would get braided because I had discovered, like, an African braiding shop about 20 30 minutes from my dad's house and they did great but it was so expensive still i was like 200 dollars. oh my god come on <laughs> and you'll be waiting forever for someone to finally do your braids you come like 8 a.m in the morning finally they get to you at 10 a.m like it's ridiculous mm -hmm. and in nigeria you get the best customer service right like nobody can afford to make you wait till 10 11 a.m they're gonna lose their job because if you complain to the manager they're gonna get fired right there and then yeah and it's very cutthroat. So like going from amazing experience to coming to the US where you don't have to come with your hair washed and dry, like it, it's just giving a whole lot of ghetto. Um, I didn't <laughs> really like that because like, no, because it is like, why should I come? With, and also why should I come my hair straight to get braids done? Hey, like, man. let's talk about that because the that's very problematic. Hey, listen. You know? I, I'm a black man. I can't. I can't say nothing about the. You know how these how these uh salons are doing nowadays. These hairstylists nowadays is. I just know the rules. I've heard the rules are getting crazy out there. It's, it's getting crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. And beside the point, I, I blow dried my hair and went, and she did an amazing job. Um, and she said that you could come with your hair not blow dried, and it's just I think like fifty dollars charge. It's not a problem because she did an excellent job mm -hmm. in the way she did my hair. Because I am very critical about how people do my braids. And I needed to look like my aunties back home. Okay? Mm -hmm. And she did that. And I really love it. I still have the braids one month prior. And they're still chef's kiss. Okay? So, it looks that. great. Yes. And I still, because I've been traveling a lot. So, I haven't really posted, like, you know, like, you know, other stuff on the content. So, I am planning to make more videos throughout this week you know, answering certain questions that have come up on the braid videos. I've been trying to respond to them, but I feel like that doesn't really help. So mm -hmm. I'm going to do some more videos on that. But, you know, I feel like not having that same space as a black woman in certain salons, right? You go to a Dominican hair salon and then you see all the reviews of, you know, relaxers being put on the shampoo bottles and all that. It gives you anxiety. And I feel like as a black woman, you shouldn't have anxiety over our hair, but we do because of the experiences. And I... You know, I don't feel like anyone else goes through this where when I would go on um, interviews, I would literally take up whatever braiding style, even if I naturally braided it myself without extensions, I will take it down and I'll put a slick bun because it was like, I don't want to be discriminated over my hairstyle Man, and all of that. Hair stuff. discrimination is real for black it's people, real. especially black and women. Especially black women, right? Like we're literally criticized to the T about our hair. Um, and it just... It's, it's it gives unnecessary pressures and I feel like the older I've gotten where I've gotten to the point where I'm like I don't give an f anymore about that I'm gonna show up to the interview with braids mm -hmm. you don't want me that's totally fine yeah if I'm gonna show up and my my hair slicked back in a bun that's just because I feel like doing that hairstyle not because I'm trying to fit a certain palatable yeah. way that you to be or if I have like I, I remember when I interviewed for a different company and it was like my first big tech job um and I just want to like not say the company just because of course no of course I, of course yeah so um 
And I, I wore my natural hair out and I felt very powerful and I felt very confident in who I was in that moment. And that was kind of like a lightning in me where I was like, next interviews that you do and whatever happens next in life, you're going to show up as your authentic self. Um, and so that's why I would say, go to that interview with your hair out, Afro or down, big and poofy, whatever it is, just show up as who you are. And whatever comments they make, unnecessary, whatever, you know how to HR that stuff back to them and just keep it moving. Yeah, absolutely. No, we, we just went into a whole conversation about hair discrimination, y'all, and braiding. I know. Yeah, you know what? I love it. I love it. But it's real, though. And these are the conversations that I like to have. So I appreciate you even bringing that up. But back to your content creation, all right? So you said yes. at first you used to plan it, but now you're just kind of like going with the feeling of it, correct? Yes, because I when I first started it, I was a little bit nervous, right? I didn't want to talk in the videos. I had first started content creation cooking um, South Indian dishes. Yeah, um, I and I that. started deleting those videos. And nothing wrong with me like keeping those videos. It was just more of like trying to film both like South Indian dishes when I cook it, Nigerian dishes when I cook it, and all that. It was just a lot to film at the moment. And I was slowly getting more comfortable with being in the camera because I have insecurities, I'm sure, just like everyone else, you know, growing up. When I was a child, I had gotten hit by a motorcycle or Okada, as we call it. And so yeah. I had gone paralyzed, you know, half of my face was paralyzed and stuff. So I do get like a slanted smile even to today when I smile and when I talk. And so that has always been, I would say, a step back for me doing videos and posting them because I was always like, what if someone sees it and makes fun of me? Because as a child, people would make fun of me for it. Wow. And so I would always be like very highly critical of myself with those things. And so slowly, like filming those videos of me cooking, then deleting, I was like, well, I want to do outfit videos. And then I was like, wait, I feel like doing outfit, I don't have that many clothes. Okay, I'm not a billionaire. Yeah. And I didn't want to contribute to mass consumerism. So I don't post outfit of the days anymore. But I wanted to post this because I love fashion. I love, you know, me, I mean, things, girl, I'm dressed to the T. Okay. Yeah. Hey, listen. Oh, but I this outfit. But in general, no lie told. <laughs> I love dressing up. I love accessorizing. That's just who I am. And I love color. And then I realized, okay, I don't want to do that. I want to be more lifestyle because I love to clean. I love to organize. And I love traveling. Like, this is my reality. Um, and so that's why I started doing more content on, like, skincare video, um, you know, organizing or traveling. Because my husband and I travel a lot. Um, we're blessed to do that because of the jobs that we have. And also we try to put our travels where it doesn't coincide with our, you know what I mean? Like busy schedules and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes we do group couple trips and stuff and everyone just works <laughs> from yeah. morning till evening. And then from there we go out and do our thing. And then we just do like the full day activities on Saturday, Saturdays and Sundays. Um, but being able to do those things, I think it opens up your mind as well. Um, even if it's within the United States, because the geographical like landscape difference from the north to Midwest to South, it's so different. And you get, get to kind of see different parts of America um, as well and also it can also play into the reality of a lot of immigrants in the U.S. where because you have a H-1B or an OPT visa you're not able to freely travel to other parts of the world when you're in America mm. you're stuck here so you know make to do what you have which is traveling around the U.S. whether it's driving and you know staying in Motel 6 and I know that's not the, the luxury life you see on TikTok but that's the reality reality exactly 
yeah, I like you and your friends book a uh, you know an Airbnb together and staying doesn't have to be a fancy. What matters is the experience. Um, or you know you don't have to book the one thousand dollar night um hotel. You can book a hundred dollar or fifty dollar hotel. And exactly. A lot of people try to. A lot of people try to live above their means for the sake of yeah. content. And it's like, bro, that's not the way to go, honestly. And like it's not. It's really not. Because I will say this. Um, you know, we've both stayed in really nice hotels and we've stayed in mid-tier hotels. And we love both experiences. It doesn't I feel like those luxury experiences should be safe for special times. I feel like social media kind of pushes this instant gratification. You have to have this, or if your friends are doing something or influencers are doing something, that's not your reality. You feel like you're left behind. But mm -hmm. the truth is you're just living a normal life. Everybody has a different, you know, time frame for things to happen for themselves, right? Even the fact that, I, you know, I drive my brother's car that my dad had bought him in 2013 and he passed it on to me very grateful for that car it's paid off um i love my little stormy but i see people you know buying latest teslas buying latest bmws and i'm like i'm gonna be buying those cars and then it's like you realize okay but buying a new car you know buying a house is not necessarily um the 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 line of like i've made it in life it yeah. can look different for everyone else being able to travel to different states or travel to different countries it's another way to show that or moving from one apartment that looks different to another one is another way you can show that you've you're slowly coming up to where you yeah. want to be that's growth so, exactly and i love not paying for a car note so <laughs> i'm writing that card to the wheels so. fall off hey listen i don't blame you i wish i was there <laughs> i wish i was there with you but not yet it's, it's gonna happen one day it's gonna happen nah, and also gonna... in general like um i will still say making like member points and stuff so like marriott or um, hilson hyatt make those member accounts and book through there because you're gonna get 20 percent off your rooms mm -hmm. you're also gonna accumulate points for example we went to minnesota right and that's where we went for the grad party in our points like my husband's points that like he had stacked up that's what paid for our hotel room there wow. for two nights. So there are many ways, and you learn this when you watch videos. They're not fun, aesthetic videos, but if you watch those videos on how to do travel hacking and how to travel with credit card points, all those stuff, you you gain a lot of knowledge. And you understand how to use your credit card as a, a tool for you rather than use it against you. Um, but in terms of accumulating debt, like, that's normal. That happens because of what happens in the situations we are, for example, you getting laid off or, you know, you have emergencies, but even if you hit a certain point in your depth, you need to be like, you know, me hold off, have a time or an era of sacri sacrificing everything and learn how to focus on paying those things down. Um, you know, as a Nigerian, I think that's, I think that way because when you grew up in Nigeria, there is, I mean, now there is, but growing up, there was no, like, credit card. Nothing there was no like financing. Um, so it's either you got it or you don't. Mm -hmm. So I've always learned to, like, cut my coat according to my size. Um, and I've always kind of pushed that as well growing up and being able to be happy for people around me for the accomplishments they've hit, but also being happy within myself for myself and loving where I am in life. Um mm -hmm. So just an act of gratefulness for where you are and thanking God that 
you know, the prayers you had last year or two years from now are the prayers that you're living now and the miracles that you're having right now. So being grateful for those moments and the mundane times in your life. Listen, guys, member points are the key. I've heard that so many times and uh, I heard it's key. I heard it's the key when it comes to traveling, when it comes to getting those little discounts and percentages off. Like I heard that's key. Uh, Credit card. Listen, I feel you on that, but I ain't gonna speak too much on my credit card. Look, but... we, 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 we gonna talk about that another time because yeah, credit cards are good. really important. Listen, I, I wish I could use it for me and not against me like it is right now. That's all I'll say. About. It's okay. It's it's a journey. Okay, we've all been there when we have credit card debt. I'm just saying, like learning how to use it as a debit card. You know what I mean? And going, okay, I spent this amount this first two weeks. I need to know that I need to pay this off and zero it out because if you don't zero it out at the close to the due date or whatever you're going to get interest accrued especially if you pass that you know 18 months or 24 months grace period that they give you so it's really important to think about it that way but we're not going to talk too long about credit card we can talk about that another time listen yeah another time and get travel cards like the chase sapphire Mm. is a great one it's 95 dollars annual fee you don't need to have the amex platinum okay i know that's 695 so beats steep okay yeah but you can get a beginner one and 95 dollar one you can accrue points and transfer and learn and then when you at that stage where you can you know comfortably afford such an annual fee then get that card okay look at money dropping gems y'all she's dropping <laughs> gems on here okay so obviously like i said you know you be an amazing lifestyle content creator. You post on Instagram or in TikTok as well. I want to ask you, which platform do you prefer when it comes to posting content? Do you prefer Instagram oh. or TikTok and why? I prefer TikTok. I feel like TikTok is more raw. And I've mm. noticed that I've had better, if you like, if you look at my follower count from Instagram to TikTok, I have two, 200 more than I have on you know, Instagram, I have about 419 or 420 um, followers right now on TikTok. Um, and I feel like just that's just becoming my more authentic self, right? Posting more videos with me, voice notes, and just expressing how I feel um, and just being me. Whereas Instagram, I feel like you have that pressure to be perfect and you have to show like aesthetically pleasing things. Because on Instagram, people are not watching your content because you had a bad day. And also I'm very private. So I think if I had a bad day, I probably won't post. Yeah. Um, but people are not watching it to gain how you're feeling. They're more watching it to live through your life. So it's a whole other, I think, playing field. Whereas TikTok allows you to be organic, allows you to just document your life as you go and you don't have this pressure to be perfect. Yeah. Um, so I, that's why I like TikTok more. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So, like you said um, earlier before, like you've been in your traveling bag in the last couple yes. of years. Saying, like, uh, so, like, you know, if you had to pick a place that you recommend everyone to go visit, what place would it be? Um, I would say two. So, if it's within the United States, I would definitely say Hawaii. I had the best time in Hawaii. It felt so healing. And let me explain why. Growing up in Nigeria, you hear constant noise, right? You hear, like, especially I grew up in Kotako, it's a little bit smaller than Lagos. You hear the birds chirping, you know, there's a village, you hear all the different noises. It's, you hear children playing the in the streets and all of that stuff. And when I went to Hawaii, I was sitting on the balcony, like, in our Airbnb, and I heard, like, birds, and I heard, like, kids playing outside, and I just felt at home. I don't know how to explain it, I just 
those feelings and those noises, it made me feel at home, right? Whereas when you're living in, in Houston, for example, you don't, especially depending on where you live, where I live, I don't hear those specific sounds, right? So for me, it's a different experience. And then when you hear those noises or even the temperature, right? Like it's 100% sunny. It's, you know, a little bit humid, but it just feels good. I'm able to walk around. We went to the beach, went to the sea. I know how to swim. My husband does not swim, by the way. And this man was in that water. Like we were having the best time of our life. And at one point I was like, oh, I should have filmed this because we are we're like, we are really in this water acting like we are Olympic swimmers over here. And the waves are really high, but I'm so glad we didn't get to I was like, let me not record this um, and stuff like that. I was like, I wish I recorded this because this is such a beautiful core moment for us. But I feel like the best moments are the ones that you don't record. And when we were leaving, I literally got emotional and started crying. Like I, the beauty of Hawaii, I would say if you travel, we're travelers, we're not necessarily vacationers. So when we travel, we like my husband has an itinerary he has already watched all of the videos where to go where to explore all of that stuff i would say if you want to really enjoy the beauty be a, be a traveler just for one trip just try it out go hiking just start with like beginner trails you'll see amazing viewpoints that you would never see if you just sat around in the area or in the main city and we drove through like Oahu and we just really enjoyed it really like soaked in the moments and I, I just it was it was the best if you can budget yourself say we budgeted we booked months in advance because it is expensive yeah so booking the time that is not peak times <laughs> is the best time um, when it's not peak that way when you go it's cheaper um, it's really important and hotels are very expensive so do Airbnbs do hostels whatever works best for you and your budget um, and like I said, we had a blast. It was honestly the best time ever. And it was much needed because it was my husband's birthday time. And also I had just gotten laid off. Um, so it was definitely needed to just go and just like, de you know, decompress and just enjoy and appreciate life again. So I really, really love that trip. I will also say outside of the United States, I would definitely say go to an African country. I've been to Benin Republic. A lot of people Mar have been doing that recently, recently. Yes, years. but I don't mean like go and go and do debt in December. I'm like, that's uh, what yeah, I'm uh, Bro, seriously. like December, like, oh my God, especially the last <laughs> two years. Like I've seen so many, not even just my, you know, my Nigerian friends, but I'm talking about my black friends, like, you know, saying I'm in Nigeria, I'm in Ghana. I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like... How the fuck? Like, I don't know what, I don't know how this resurgence come where, like, now yes. they're treating those countries as, like, a vacation, a it's vacation It's a beautiful stage. thing, though. I think it's beautiful because when you, when I grew up in Nigeria, I didn't understand the beauty of Nigeria because you will see, you know, pota pota everywhere. You see, you know, all the failed politician promises. You see all the issues. That's still I mean, there, by the way. <laughs> very much still there just a disclaimer it's very much there lagos is not the only part of nigeria but at the same time there is beautiful beauty all over our landscape is very beautiful uh, my mom made me actually when i was in boarding school she, like instead of taking a flight back to potaco from lagos she made us get on a bus and drive through nigeria and it made me appreciate us in that moment i was like wow i didn't know we had these different things but you get to meet different people now not saying travel 
an American on a bus. Okay, please don't do that. But you can, instead of just going for Death in December in terms of going to all the concerts and the parties, that's Yeah. fun. But if you truly want to immerse yourself and know Nigeria, look up, for example, Visit Nigeria is a great um, local tourism um, Instagram that does, they will take you on trips. It's very secure. They have a bus and they have security. They'll take you to different tourist spots and not even tourist spots, but spots that you don't even know. They'll take you to places in Ibadan, take you to places in Benin. They'll take you to different spots that you never knew had in Nigeria, like Idari Falls, Idari Hills. You wouldn't even know that's Nigeria if you didn't, you know what I mean? If you didn't Mm. like Yeah. look up and research and stuff, there's so much beauty to Nigeria than just the parties. Yeah. Yeah, a lot It of y'all tracks be trying to go to Victoria Island talking about something. I'm in the I'm in Lagos. Man, get out of here. That's exactly, and that's how I'm like, you know, growing up in Nigeria, I never did Death in December because my mom is very, very Christian. So as an Igbo person, we go to the village <laughs> for December. And also we go to, if I'm not in the village, I'm in church conference. So my experience in December is more like family oriented and all of that stuff. So I always say, if you go, yes, go and enjoy the parties and have fun, but have balance, right? Go and see the, the nature, go to different cities in Nigeria and really see different things. Even in Ghana as well, there's so much history there as well. And there's so much to learn. Even in, you know, in, in Lagos, you can go to Badagri and there's so much you can learn about, um, you know, Nigerian history, especially, you know, what happened to enslaved Nigerians and stuff like that and their realities. It's going to make you emotional, of course, because that's what happened. That's, there's no sugar coat in it. It is what it is. But you learn so much and you appreciate so much of what it is to be a Nigerian um, and what it is to be from such a beautiful country that has a long way to go, but eventually we'll, we'll get there. Yeah, and also I would recommend like when it comes to like any place, especially you know, even though we're talking about Nigeria and Ghana, or any any country in Africa, or just any place in general, like Yes. I, me, I try to do my due diligence by not just going to all like the touristy spots, like the spots that I want to be where, like, where do the locals go to? I want to know where the people that, Exactly. what are the staples to that, for the people that live there that it holds close to them? Like, you know, like when I, when I went to New York, um, Milan, I didn't want to go to the Statue of Liberty. I was like, I, I want to be where the people are at. Where are the people are going to? What are the places that these people
as well. Even Bole is different. Bole in Lagos and Bole in Potakot, two different things. And Bole in Potakot is the best. But that, that's, beside <laughs> oh, <my laughs> that's beside the point. But you know what I mean? Like, when you ask people, like, okay, what tribes do they know in Nigeria? They only mention Igbo or Yoruba. You know, they don't even know um, other tribes that exist, right? Rivers, um, Iquiri people, Robo, mm -hmm. to, like, thieves and other ethics, all of those things. They don't know. And that's not their, you know, point to know those things. But if you do travel to different parts of Nigeria, you will get exposed to those different things as well. And not even only Nigeria, just going to different countries in Africa. And the reason why I say that is because I'm saying this as, you know, a focus as a Black woman. If you want to be your loudest, you want to be your most free place, go to countries in Africa because it will feel very similar, it will feel very safe, and you get to really enjoy the experiences. Of course, travel um, other places in the world, but I would say the least explored and the least touristy areas um, that are not really advertised are African countries, and they are the most beautiful. I mean, Seychelles, um, you know, going to Tanzania, especially mm -hmm. Zanzibar, how beautiful the water, blue the water is, and how white the sands are. It's just a dream going to Senegal, going to Sierra Leone, going to Gambia, Zimbabwe. going to Morocco, Mauritius. These are beautiful countries and it's not as explored as other countries. And I think treat it as you eat, pray and love through the European countries and you eat, pray and love through um, India and all other countries as well. Because I know a lot of people go to India to find their spirituality and mm -hmm. you know, go through their spiritual journey, which is a beautiful thing because, you know, India is such a spiritual country. But so are African countries as well. Absolutely. So as you're, you're loving through South Asian countries, do the same in African countries because there's so much beauty and so much um, culture that is still yet to be explored by. And please, even if you're exploring it, don't be rude. Don't mock people. Um, don't bring your racist um, or, in, you know, ignorant you know what I mean? views. Yes. Um, and Western viewpoints of how people live their lives and um, to those two African countries. Just sit it in your house and just come and be educated, enjoy yourself and go back. A hundred percent. So funny enough, this, this, it, I didn't even have this on my list, but I wanted to ask you another question because I'm like, like, you're so knowledgeable when it comes to traveling. I honestly, I didn't even know you were just, you know, this knowledgeable uh, when it comes to like, just like the do's and don'ts of what to do and how to go about certain areas. Um, but, and this can be anything, uh, whether you're, but where there's traveling by yourself or with a couple, what are the three things that you feel like people need or people need to know when it comes to traveling? What are probably the three most important things you would say? One, know the rules of the country. If it's a country, know the rules. I see a lot of people, especially Americans, go to countries and be absolutely like, oh my God, this is horrible. I went through this, but they're absolutely breaking the rules of the country. Know where you are and act accordingly. Just like you want people to come to America and be assimilating American culture and act a certain way, when you go to other people's countries, they want the same thing as well. So go there, be respectful, learn the rules. Also know what to pack for the weather. I think that's very, very important. And also if you're going to a traditionally Muslim country, pack, stop showing up in your club clothes show up modestly and know when to wear your club clothes for a club and know how to dress for when you're out and about 
because that's very important because like I said it also ties back to the rules also culturally as well um, being aware of that is very important also I would say third is I would say booking learn how to book your flight properly um whether it's booking six months in advance for like African countries or South or Southeast Asian countries as well. Booking your flights way ahead helps you save money. Of course, there are times where if you book it a little bit closer, you can save money as well. But if you don't know how to get to that point, just book six months, seven months ahead of time. That way you're able to save um, on travel ticket and all of that good stuff. Budget, budget is a very big thing. So watch all those i really tell you watch all those boring videos not your friends and not your favorite youtuber that went somewhere and enjoyed watch the aunties and uncles that travel and they budget yeah. down everything. those are the people you need to watch because they really tell you for real what the prices are you need to know your budget so that when you go you're not panicking and you know you don't have enough and now you're going over your budget and you're coming home eating beans and rice no like <laughs> <laughs> you know what i'm trying to say sometimes you can't can go over your budget but if you know how to you know act accordingly you know how to okay if i'm going to this country i need to know how to handle prices i need to be aware of this i need to be aware it's very very important you need to do your research so learning how to budget before you travel is really good where you can enjoy traveling comfortably um without feeling uncomfortable when you come back yeah absolutely man Moni, this has been an amazing conversation um but before i let you go i need to ask you one final question it's a question i ask all my guests and that is who do you want to give your flowers to it can be to anybody and it can be to multiple people oh i want to give my flower to vanessa um hey shout out to vanessa man she she's another (laughs) traveling she out here traveling the world too shout out to vanessa yes she is and she's amazing she's one of my friends um and i absolutely love her she also came from nigeria as well here and she's done some amazing things for herself and you know she's in her travel era and content creation era as well so you guys better follow her um she makes amazing beautiful videos i would also like to um give flowers to i'm trying to think uh, i'm trying to give flowers to milan i really really love her as a person i'm not even kidding i know she's your girlfriend but i don't think the viewers knew that but it's, <laughs> hey listen hey milan love you as always she's the reason why this podcast is even <laughs> happening so oh okay so i i've seen you grow since college and i've always said this about anything is your partner makes and breaks who you are like your partner is an investment in a way and if you invest in the right person or if you find the right person that works for you you're compatible with because chemistry will be there chemistry will be there for with a lot of people and but when you find the person that you're most compatible with but also of course checks out the boxes of chemistry and all of that good stuff it makes a lot of difference because just like you're growing, they're growing with you, they're pushing you, you're pushing them. And I've seen you like go from like being this amazing guy, but like very shy, not so outspoken to like being who like your complete self, like pushing, you got your own apartment, like you're doing some amazing things. You're starting a podcast. I remember when you had like, I think sent me something about the shout out for come get your flowers, especially um, when my grandma died. And mm. I don't think you even knew, but before my grandma died, I think a, a month before that, my, my aunt had died. So I was going through a lot of things in the background and I wasn't really telling people, you know, so I was also having, you know, a lot of health issues as well last year. And when you sent that to me, it really meant a lot to me. And I asked you like, 
well, what is this for? Because I was curious. And I thought it's a beautiful thing that, you know, I've seen a lot as well, um, you know, grow in her career, um, as well as, you know, posts on her, you know, Instagram, you know, she's also doing her own career with thing. Um, and just being who she is, joining, you know, her sorority of her dreams and, and doing all these amazing things and, and seeing how she has made that positive impact in you as well. It she's just an amazing woman and I just I just love her aura. So one one um, of one. Yes. <laughs> so wow. that those are the two people I will send um over to as well. And um I don't know. There's another person. But I don't know if she will act to two other people. I don't know if this other person will show up on videos, but Tazim Fatima, she's um, one of my best friends in the world. I've known her for the past, I want to say 10 years since I've been in the U.S. And she's a Pakistani American and she has such a beautiful drive. Um, she's killing it as well. Um, she's just doing amazing things out here and she has so much beautiful knowledge um she's someone that i would definitely say um definitely should come get her flowers um as well as maya i love her to death um if no one has met maya and you're around the room you've probably heard her she's <laughs> the most outgoing person ever she's truly gifted in what she does which is journalism and she's really killing it and just watching her grow in her journey and grow as you know a young woman to being a, a grown woman is such a beautiful experience as well so those are the four women i would love to you know give a shout out to to come get their flowers absolutely and there you have it monique thank you for being on the show thank you for all the gems you drop tell the people where they can follow you because i know you got multiple accounts so you might as well just name <laughs> all of them right now yes the so uh one of the accounts is Iberis corner it's both on instagram and tiktok as well it's called e-b-e-r-e-s and corner like a corner store um and the reason why it's called a barrier's corner and not monique is because uh, my nigerian name is a barrier chiku and putting a barrier's corner on stuff kind of helps me take the power back on my name um in terms of if you see when i log in here put moe barrier because in college people called me mo and like some of my nigerian friends would call me a barrier and my full name is a chiku and it means mercy of god so putting a barrier's corner kind of helps me keep my name and my truth are life. So that's why it's Iberis Connor. Uh, so follow me on there if you want to see some tips, tricks. Uh, I just live in my best life. So yeah, follow me. You know, message me if you have questions, video ideas. I'm always happy to post and always I'm happy to answer back. Absolutely. Oh, and, and my friend and I have a podcast, by the way. The Evie's Talk. We are going to come back. Okay. That podcast has not came back since like 2019, y'all. I've been waiting on like episode three or something. I'm still waiting. It will come back. We are in the walks of filming and trying to um kind of create like an intro and, and go through discussions because 2019, Mo and Vanessa are two different people. Oh yeah, absolutely. You guys have grown, grown. so much. And we have so much to talk about and so much to give um, knowledge on. So I would definitely say check us out on Abby's talk. And yeah, we will eventually come back. But it's time to see it. And so we'll have at least three videos up. Okay. Okay. We are coming back. And we are messing Vanessa and put the pressure on. We'll come oh, back. Don't worry. Okay. And shout out to Vanessa. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely might have her on a pod. I will not even might. I will have her on a podcast one of these days. She, her story is great as well. But guys, there you have it. Uh, 
Thank you guys for listening to another episode of Come Get Your Flowers. Make sure, make sure to follow us on Instagram and on TikTok at Come Get Your Flowers. And we will see you guys next time. Peace.